Hello, good day, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Uh, tonight, because we're recording at night, in Chris's backyard, we have all four of Cornerstone's elders. And so, Anthony, as always, is going to kick us off. Thank you for your riff, Anthony. Uh, such an important part to this podcast. Good evening. Hello. Ah, Chris. Hello. Ramil. Look at, <laughs> listen to that. Live in studio. Late night, late night podcast, fireside chat with your elders. Yeah, we got to use that deeper tone. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, it is the fireside chat yeah, with the elders. Uh, we will be uh, asking some questions of the elders. Trying to determine, uh, I don't know what we're trying to determine. Answers. Answers. Well, there's so many things we could talk about. And there's a lot on the plate, a lot of, uh, a lot of good discussion tonight. Just so that you people know, who don't know what the elders do, they spend a lot of time talking about how to love you better. And so, and how to serve the church. And, uh... Each of our wives has to give us up for night, although I think Kyla pays for me to leave. So uh, it's good, uh, but here we are, and we are going to talk. Got a couple questions, uh, and what we're going to do is a little roundtable, going to ask some questions, uh, let the elders answer, and uh, what, what we'll kind of do is uh, each of us, I already asked the four questions and everyone was like, Oh, I got multiple answers. So what we'll have to do is probably narrow it down to one. And then, uh, we might not all answer every question. So if you don't hear one of us who you wanted to hear, answer the question, this is where you can text us, DM us, email us, pull us aside at church, uh, ask our wives. They'll be like, I don't know. So, you know, if we didn't say, if we didn't answer the question as in depth as you want, um, pull us aside. Happy to talk about them. So, here, here we go. We're gonna warm us up, uh, guys. Anything lately that you've read that has struck you? You've been thinking on, dwelling on, setting your mind on it that you want to pass along. And so, any elder can answer that question. Ladies and gentlemen, the elders are up. All right. All right. I'm going to pass this mic down, starting from the youngest person here. <laughs> <laughs> youngest? All right, yeah. Yeah. All right, Ramel. Age before beauty. Yeah. Or does it have to be what we've read? Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, it could be from the Bible. What we've learned. Learned, yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the right. right, you're reading to learn, so. True. Yeah, the nature of the question is, what have you learned lately that you'd want to pass along? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay. That's good, okay. Yeah. Passing it down this way. Hey, um, I've had some time to think about. I'm really only 
I'm reading always multiple books, but right now the one that's kind of caught my attention is um, a book called Exegetical Fallacies by D.A. Carson. And uh, I just happened upon it in another D.A. Carson book where he was talking about um, proper ways to interpret words in the Bible and, you know, certain ways you shouldn't interpret words. And um, it was it was in the word section, and I got really interested, so I wound up getting the book. And, you know, uh, it's been an, an eye-opener uh, because, you know, like you, Jason, have taught me a lot about wrong ways that you go to the scripture and interpret let's say a passage or a word or a word usage or you know and all of these kinds of things and you you draw conclusions that are wrong based on wrong assumptions about you know the way that you study so it's that that book has been kind of an eye-opener for me um in terms of just understanding um what are the ways you don't want to interpret scripture because then you wind up with wrong conclusions. So that's been helpful. All right. Chris? Chris? I don't read anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Chief? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been reading a lot of Air Force instructions lately. Um, no, it's been pretty busy season for me, so I've... Um, Lately, I've, I find myself reading whatever is uh, current in our, um, our cornerstone uh, when it comes to theology books. Or um, So one lately was obviously the book that we're going through um, in our Bible studies, The Cross and um, Salvation, and um, had the uh, opportunity to preach on the atonement and so i've been contemplating a lot of that um actually has changed my thinking a little bit you know from like 20 years of thinking about salvation and and um the doctrine of 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 salvation and um you know what does the death of christ mean um to um to both believers and unbelievers, and um, and lately I know I, I just recently taught it at our Bible study that um, just how much uh, Christ shows His love um, through His His death, and um, and how has that changed my thinking, and how has it increased really my um, the way I love people, um, just understanding how much Christ uh, loves um, and demonstrated his love that, you know, while people are still, uh, people are his enemy, people were his enemies, uh, he chose to uh, die and um, and offer salvation. So uh, that's really been um, in just recently what I've been um, racking my mind with and then obviously whatever it is that we're kind of discussing in our group text and then I'll read up on it and um, but I think the, the the Bible study topic uh, that we have is 
uh, is good. And then um, on top of that is uh, praying with Paul. So again, it's, it's a lot of reading of whatever it is that's, that's relevant to Cornerstone. Um, and I think that that's helpful for me because um, I get to stay on track um, and, and minister in the church that I'm at um, and, and really concentrate and, and move things along. Um, so excited to teach. I think at the end of this month, uh, I get to do the fundamentals, um, on praying with Paul. So, um, excited to do that. All right. What, what was that unique thing that you, um, oh, the assault. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the books on forgiveness that we've been reading uh, specifically forgive by Keller has been really helpful. I think the aspect that I would like to pass pass along is really answering the question what does reconciliation look like? Because I think oftentimes we think reconciliation is like everything just goes back to normal and you just expect it to go back to normal. And yes, that's that could happen with conflict that's everyday and normal. But then you have conflict that's really difficult. Um, that maybe even prolonged, maybe deeper issues that are harder to deal with, uh, deeper hurts and pains. And it's not easy just to go back like it was yesterday. So what does reconciliation look like in that scenario? And I think what helped me uh, navigate better these kinds of situations is understanding that reconciliation includes um, rebuilding a rebuilding process. There's a process there that, that you must uh, think about. Um, so forgiveness is immediate and um, absolutely uh, granting forgiveness should be immediate, though difficult at times. Um, reconciliation, though, I think that's something that's that needs to maybe slow down and think about, navigate through. So for a painful experience, sometimes you need to rebuild trust with, with a person. And you can forgive them. You can um, um, absolutely forgive them because as Christ has forgiven us. But the question is, now what, what does life look like with them? I, I don't think necessarily it goes back to yesterday right away. I think there's some time there involved. Yeah, that's crazy because I think... I mean, one, I think we could have a whole podcast on forgiveness. Yeah. Um, but what what I think a lot of us don't realize, and I, it's interesting you brought this up because one of our questions is what have you changed your mind on? Mm. And I mm-hmm. probably would have to answer in yeah. this same vein. Okay. Realizing that, that the actual act of reconciliation may take time. Yeah. And that that doesn't mean you haven't forgive. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, some people hurt you pretty deeply. And it's like, if forgiveness is just like, hey, I just erased the word off of the blackboard, and look, the blackboard's all white again. You know the whiteboard? Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Thomas whiteboard, right? <laughs> so uh, the Thomas whiteboard, you just erase it, and the word's aren't there. But that's not how people are. It takes time to like rebuild trust, and mm-hmm. especially depending on what was done, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you that's the thing I think a lot of people maybe don't realize is how much you're in that world. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of doing most of the counseling that 
that's the world you live in is helping people put those pieces back together a lot. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, it's it's eye opening because you you also kind of have to learn that for your own lives too. Yeah. And like to expect someone just to like oh, suck it up, you know. Yeah. Um I forgave you. Yeah. We should be there should be no anxiety or problems anymore and it's like uh yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah. we like to say, you know, it took years to get into this problem. It might take years to get out. Yeah. And, and that that includes um changing thinking, um changing behaviors, changing uh, and and you know it's it's going to be it could be a little bit of a roller coaster because yeah. emotions are real and people deal with them and we're all different um that's another eye opener yeah realizing that we're all different and we can't expect people to just think like we think ooh see how this is just so slowly traversing into other territories this is <laughs> yeah. it's yeah and uh yeah we don't have a lot of time though so well it's it's hard because like each of you said something that makes me want to talk well it's your turn <laughs> well you're, you're the senior here so i go, don't go know for it. I, yeah i don't know um i mean i read a lot so um i've i've finished john owen's communion with god mm-hmm. and that was actually like like when i when i got the book and opened it I wasn't thinking this is going to be a bad book. So let me preface what I'm about to say with that. I was expecting it to be good, but it exceeded my expectations. Mm. And what I liked about it was the the premise of the book, right, is how do you have better communion with God? And he literally spends like the first half of the book at least articulating God's love for us which just goes to what Chris is saying. And like almost he doesn't really tell you to do anything. It's almost like, Hey, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand the love of God? And do you understand the fellowship we have because of his love? And we had another missionary who told me privately, I won't say his name just in case I don't want to throw him under the bus just in case somebody doesn't like what I'm saying. But, um, he said, you know, I remember in my own walk with Christ, at some point I had to come to like, I had to be, I had to be comfortable saying God loves me. And I don't know why that's hard for us to say sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think it's a deficiency in our gospel. And that goes back to what Chris was saying that maybe, I don't know, maybe I thought for, maybe you're prone to think, maybe I'm prone to think maybe because I re- it resonated with me and he said it and I was like, yeah, I had to learn the same thing. And I had to realize it's not liberal, it's not squishy, it's not it's not less truthful, it's not you're departing from the truth. Like it's really what the Bible says. That God so loved the world. And Owen brings the same thing up. God loved the world, and so he sent his son. And not because we're lovely, but because he is a loving God who loves people. And so to go, okay. That's a good place to start if you're going to think about communing with God. It's probably a really good place to be like, okay, um, God loves us. I know he loves us because the gospel, the Holy Spirit, like the blessing. Like the last one of the last things I read was part of joy. Like he gives us joy, and that joy is found in the gospel. 
And, um, you know, when we think about the promises of God and the forgiveness of God and, and what he does, like it should stir joy in your soul. Mm-hmm. It should stir you to go, yeah, you know what? It is well with my soul. Amen. They should do a song. <laughs> Did some of this come out in your sermon uh, on prayer? Because that was yes. a, yeah, okay. I, I, okay, it sounded familiar. Yeah. I, get it. I don't know if it was connected, but I thought that was a really great sermon on prayer. It was very helpful. Yeah. Well, it's also, I think, in John 15. Yeah. Because he spends a lot of time talking about, in fact, it's going to come out uh, Sunday's sermon that because we're going to talk about abide in, in obedience. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that stems from understanding who you are in Christ. And even in John 15, he spends more time talking about our indwelling than he just gives the command, basically obey the commands, abide in, abide in his word, abide in the commands. Mm-hmm. You know, And then he says abide in love, and that's tethered too. But So it's just interesting, right, that in those contexts, it's hey don't uh, do you understand this relationship because your obedience actually flows from understanding god's love not you're obeying to earn god's love like mm-hmm. it flows from god's love right that's a big difference yeah I, I used to think um duty you know i used to think duty wise in terms of my love for god like i gotta fulfill a duty to him i guess some sense there is some truth to that I, I think, but I think what you're talking about is um, th- there's a certain kind of trust we have with him, but that comes with knowing him more. Yeah. And, and so like obedience kind of overflows from that. That yeah. makes sense. It's like, I can trust him. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to. So, cause obedience is really like, Oh, you said this. I trust that yeah. uh, confident in what you have said better than what I'm thinking. You know, better. Yeah, I'm gonna walk this way. I does that resonate with First John for you? Because right now, where the sermons at in my outline, First John is there, like yeah. chapter five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Um, that's that's really good. It's interesting. This morning we were uh, in the Bible study. In the morning we were going over pride to humility. And we're about to dive into the section where it's talking about the manifestations of pride. And there's that whole long list of like different ways pride manifests itself. And we started it off by saying, hey, this could be a bad exercise if we do not put the gospel in front of us. Like, because there's a little line in, inside of the book where, where um, Stuart Scott talked about uh, a quote from... Um, the good doctor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, right? And he said, a kind of introspection that just focuses on your sin can lead to a, a, a sort of morbid introspection where you're just morbid about your sin. And so I said, we, if we look at this like mucky muck of the manifestation of pride in our lives, we could walk out of here just down on ourselves and feeling really despondent and distraught about all of this if it not if we're not for the gospel so we actually before we walk into this have to behold the gospel and you know we were just talking about how the same thing about this idea of duty it's like there's difference between when you're doing something out of duty versus when you're doing something out of a trust and love for god um you know i was saying how for the longest time i've 
in my Christian walk, I felt like I couldn't really grasp what Christ meant when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And because I felt like all I was doing was trying to run away from these sins, I couldn't defeat. And then I placed these heavy burdens of ministry on top of me, on top of that. And it just felt like this giant baggage on your back, you know? And only recently in the last few years of ministering together here, when you put Christ in front of, when we put Christ in front of each other all the time and you started to say stuff like, hey, you need to be chasing and running after Christ and not just running away from your sin. And then realizing all of our freedoms in Christ, like, does it actually feel like light, you know? So that that was really uh, another eye-opener. Yeah, that Gavin Ortland book on humility, I think he chides false humility, and I think he kind of criticizes the idea of humility being I am nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I know I know people say that. Well, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But I, I get what they're trying to say. But there's a part of me that's like, what? Well, the more you understand union, the less you can say that. And you're not saying I'm something because of what I did. You're like I'm something because God made me something. Right. Yeah. And so it's not a self-inflated pride. It's a oh God does this. Mm-hmm. Like God made me His child, and I can stand in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you stand, not because you're doing really, really well or being perfect and so on and so forth, you know, or seeming perfect at least, you know. And that was the other thing, you know, it's like, hey, I said to the men, I was like, hey, we're going to look at these things and we're going to feel really naked and exposed and vulnerable. Um, but just remember, like, you're in a boat full of the same guys. Like, we're all struggling with the same stuff and we can encourage each other in the gospel and serve one another and bear one another's burdens that way that's good uh maybe maybe we'll switch gears here and uh fire off question number two letter number two question two by the fireside chant uh chris we'll start with you um what would you tell a young person who wants to be a leader in the church What's one thing that a young person who wants to be a leader in the church needs to learn, contemplate, dwell upon, grow in, think about? Huh? Yeah, what do you tell what do you tell your airmen? So you wanna be a leader. You you wanna you wanna be a servant in the church. I think you kind of answered that already. Probably. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you want to be a leader, um, you have to learn how to really how to serve people patiently and meet them like where they're at. Um, Because if you and your expectation should be, um, your expectation should be is that the Holy Spirit is going to work 
on his own timing. Because um, if you try to manipulate behavior, um, what you'll find is, and if they don't change their behavior, then you could get frustrated, you can get impatient. Um, but a leader serves that person um, patiently and you have to wait and you have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do its work like you know you can't you can't force behaviors in people um, you can't manipulate behavior as much as you want to um, it just doesn't work and, it, and maybe it'll work for a little bit but it doesn't change convictions it doesn't grow the person's conviction it doesn't lead them to Christ it doesn't produce the fruit of the spirit and then um and if you're trying to just make them behave like you um then you'll find out that you know you can get really disappointed because that may be not how god wired them to be and so you have to you can't you can't force people to be like you um but you have to serve them christ and then you have to work. You have to wait on the Spirit uh, to do its work. And the Holy Spirit is amazing at changing people's lives. Like He's amazing at changing people's convictions and growing them to be more like Jesus Christ. Uh, I think if you have that expectation, then you're less. Um, you, you can be less frustrated. And even if you get frustrated sometimes, you can always come back to the center and, and remind yourself that hey. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change them. And at the end of the day, you can put your head down, minister the gospel, love them, serve them, um, and be able to continue to do that without drawing a line in the sand and saying, hey, I'm done with you because you won't change your behavior. And I think um, that's the, like, you know, we talk about it all the time, like ministering to people is a, um, is is job security because you know people are people will never finish until Christ comes or He calls him home and so there's always this you know service towards them there's always this love towards them and then there's always the Holy Spirit working in them um, to love and good deeds so I think you know a young person um, wants to be in the ministry wants to be in leadership learn how to serve patiently and wait on the spirit to do its work. You think sometimes um, some young people have an ideal in their head, and so they're they're ministering to others to try to get that other person to be the ideal, rather than realizing the the ministry is, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I think that, and, and I think we see that too in young, you know. Know, young leaders or just in general like young um you know just like just underdeveloped leadership tactics um what you'll see is they'll they try to make them they, they think that they should be like you or like yeah. me yeah. and they they should um they should have the same lifestyle as me. They should have the same habits as me. They should, 
um, think about the same thing that I'm thinking about. Um, but what you'll find is, man, people are different. Uh, yeah. People, people are different, and um, you know, constantly evaluating your convictions, constantly evaluating, you know, what you believe is true, um, maybe applied differently um in other people's and you know context drives complexity so a person's context in their life um has different nuances that they have to navigate and you as a servant you as the leader would need to understand their context and then serve them you know um serve them in in their context i think if i'm only thinking about my know my family dynamics my you know where i live the look you know the environment that i'm in the job you know the work environment that i'm at like it's different like your work environment you know gino jason like is much different than my work environment in the air force um so if i'm talking to you about my struggle you guys are very good about asking a lot of contextual <laughs> questions about, you know, my work and who I work with and understanding that so that you can serve me better and help me navigate some of the things that, that are coming up, um, you know, at work. Um, and so, uh, like, that's, that's what every leader has to do is understand the context that, you know, that drives the complexities in each of the people that they're ministering to. Yeah, there's a complexity right now on the couch. That's right. <laughs> Luna. Luna's like, I'm going to like shepherd Gino. just wants to hang out with the I shepherds. I just want to like this guy. I just, I just want to show him I love him. Just take a little, little lick, Gino. It's right on the arm. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because, uh, you know, it's fair. We, we all do kind of like project my situation on others, and that's not not always true um yeah it's interesting because you you're actually saying like like you're not what you're saying is not denying imitate me like you know um, at some level elders are to be imitated in their faith but that's in our faith and that doesn't mean that like oh i gotta like the same movies pastor likes it's no you should be able to imitate us in our patience our love our kindness you know our willing you know even the way we navigate issues. Like, like I always think about that. Like, could somebody, am I asking somebody to follow my quirks? No. Would I hope somebody could follow me in the way that I handle problems, especially with somebody else in Jesus Christ? I would hope you could follow me, right? Because I'm going to be, like you said, we're going to be patient. We're going to investigate. We're going to try to understand. We're going to let the, hey, what does the Bible say? We're going to like, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, uh who's next what would you tell a young person who wants to be a leader well are we talking about ministry leadership like in church context or just general leadership however you want to interpret that oh okay you you interpret oh okay um well general leadership is really asking what does christ leadership look like um so if they want to be a leader, they need to learn Christ. They need to understand Christ's leadership. Um, I, I think you can apply Christ's leadership in every scenario, whether you're a father, 
right? Any uh, mother, father, um, employer, pastor, elder, right? Like it's Christ's leadership is so relevant in every situation because Christ's leadership is easy to follow. Christ's leadership is a joy to follow. Um, he doesn't manipulate you into following him. He influences you into follow, you know, following him because in his way, there's his burden is light. There's joy. There's, and so, if a young person wants to be a leader, um, first I want to ask why. My first question: It's like, why do you want to be a leader? Because leadership is really you're saying you want to deal with people. You're saying you want to teach. You know, are you willing to? And if you're if you're going to teach, you have to learn. You have to be a learner. Um, and you have to be patient. So there's yeah. a lot there. I fear, <laughs> yeah, I fear that some, some first, I mean, look, I know there was a phase in my life where I wanted to be a leader because I wanted to be in control. And it's amazing how, like, God stamped that out over years from to, to actually the point to where you get where you're, like, in a position where you, where you legitimately people recognize you have an authority card. You know, in your in your dealt hand, you have an authority card because it's got that title. And it's so funny. It's like that's the last card on earth I would ever want to play. You know what I mean? So it's like twenty some yeah. me is like, oh, once you have that control card, you can you can really set the situation up for everybody's. You know, I'm doing it for your good. Yeah. But then, you know, here in my late thirties, you get that card, and you're like, you know, that's not actually the card I ever want to play. Yeah. I think that's that, that's a good point you bring up because when we think leadership, I forget that you, there, along with that comes this idea of authority. And so when people think leadership, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to be in charge. Well, that's a big responsibility. Like you are over the lives of people. Um, and your goal is to, I guess, in in every leader's mind, there's some kind of goal for the people. And the temptation is to mold them into our image. But we're actually trying to mold them into Christ's image, right? And so that's a um, that's a lifelong process. I mean, I feel like I'm always learning right. to do that better. So, yeah. Ramil? Yeah, I'm really going to wind up saying something that you guys have already said. But, um, yeah, one of the, the really thing, the, the really... Um, important realizations that I've come across, you know, a while back about leadership is that um, it's really important to emphasize the responsibility aspect of leadership as opposed to the authority aspect of leadership. Um, thinking about Matthew twenty twenty, um, you always talk about this whole story, but um, you know. Sons of Zebedee comes up, and can we be on your right hand or your left? And Jesus' response to them is really interesting. He says, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And presumptuously, they were like, yeah, we are able. Um, because they're after the authority and the power and the control, failing to understand the responsibility that it came with. And he actually did say, you will drink my cup. Uh, you know, and, and that's interesting too, because they did wind up, you know, becoming faithful ministers of the gospel later on. But at that moment, they were after the wrong things. And I think, um, 
a lot of us when we're young you said it exactly jason like we're after the control that authority and power affords to us because it makes life easier it makes everything more efficient if i can control everyone around me then i don't have to deal with problems with them i can accomplish my goals my you know all the things i want to do and that's why to chris's point young leaders tend to be like a lot of us when we were young we tend to be people who expected other people to be exactly like us and we wielded our leadership just like that we we emphasized the authority of our leadership because that was the easiest way to gain control over someone else and other people um, whereas what we've realized i feel like as an elder brotherhood here that when you start to grasp the responsibility of leadership there's a trepidation there of what's been handed to you and you want to be of a lowly mind and of service to other people and your goal is not to get them to do what you want your goal is to help them to get to what is best for them in christ and however that winds up looking like you will mold to that um, you will adjust to that because you're trying to see what will best serve those people. And it's a total different paradigm. It, and it, it shows a respect for the position of leadership, you know, in Christian ministry, as opposed to, you know, it's, it's always, it's always kind of, you, you get taken aback. You know, we get taken aback these days when someone's very audacious about wanting to become a leader because you're like do you know what you're walking into you know <laughs> and uh and i think that's probably one of the greatest lessons i've learned about being a leader is it's not what you thought it was you know when you first you know engaged it you're, you're kind of a servant to two people because you're a servant to the person you're serving but out of a love for the lord you're a servant to the lord and so that really kills selfishness. To be a good leader, you have to kill selfishness. Because if you're really going to help somebody, you know, you may not be able to take, quote, unquote, their side. You might actually have to be like, hey, you're in the wrong here. Your spouse or this other person of conflict is actually in the right. And, and this conflict is like is one of God's way of showing you that, hey, you need to rethink this. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting, right? Because you're not really, that, that's the hard part about being in control is then you're not thinking about, wait a minute, I also want to honor the Lord in this. It is like sometimes it's just easier, like, you know, it would just be easier if this wasn't on my plate today. Right. Yeah, but you don't get to do that. Yeah. Or the way you treat people is like, hey, get fixed now because this is very inconvenient for me yeah. that you're not, you're not where you should be. Yeah. Where, you know, that's like, not very Christ-like. But I want your problem solved now. <laughs> what? Do it. Uh, I probably wouldn't say anything other than you guys said, because I, I think that's expectations, putting your eyes on Christ, uh, and, and understanding it's a responsibility is, are probably three things that, and to be fair, every believer I think has to understand this. Um, you know, so one of the questions, what have you changed your mind on? And... Um, you know, that's a pretty good question because we talk about being teachable and growing. 
And one of the things that happens is you, you start serving other people and you're navigating the word and you're, you know, you're trying to live life and serve people and love people. And you're like, okay, Lord, but I want to honor you in the way I serve these people. But part of being teachable is being willing to say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to rethink that. And, you know, uh, when I was young, Ger, like last year, uh, you know, you have these like, okay, this, it looks like this, this, you know, this is, this is the way. And then you get in a situation, you go, oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Nope. There's multiple ways of doing this. Um, and then this person actually does think rightfully about it. So what are some things you changed your mind on? Maybe, maybe I got like a list of 25, but mm. maybe I'll just, let's narrow should, that down. You to should one. prime the pump there a little bit. Like, what are some things I've changed my mind on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Um, where do I start? Uh, I've changed my mind on uh, ministry. Uh, I've changed, so, one, uh, I'm redefining leader now as synonymous with ministry. Mm. So when mm-hmm. somebody says, what is a leader? And they say, what is ministry? Same answer. Mm. It's not, those aren't two different answers. Mm-hmm. There are um, offices of authority but again, like you said, they're actually offices of greater responsibility. So um, you're you're handing, you know, elders are mature believers who can equip others to do the work of ministry in the church. Uh, they're not perfect men; they are still learning, growing. But that's a part of it, right? Like, hey, you can follow me because I'm a learner grower. And um, so that would be that'd be the first one. Leadership and ministry are synonyms; they're not two separate concepts especially in today's culture where leadership is often treated as CEO or you're the vision, you're the vision caster of the world. No, I'm not. God's the vision caster. Go and make disciples. So, um, right. So that'd be one, uh, the second, like big change, I think. And we, we've talked about this so much that I'm sure other people could answer this for me that there's not only one way to do things. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, Stole yeah. mine. Sorry, G. Well, well you, I was I'll, say, I'll let you take that. Oh, well, all I was going to say was like, there's not a blanket, there's not a blanket answer. Yes. Um, and we could get trapped in that thinking where we've heard an answer and that maybe someone that promoted the answers framed it in such a way that if you believe differently, then you are in sin or you're on the wrong path almost making you feel bad that you've thought a different way where, whereas like, but if you actually think about it more deeply, whatever topic it is, uh, whatever situation and you flush it through real life, there's never a blanket answer. No. Oh, I want to say, well, you know, except because, the <laughs> because all of our, yeah, because yeah. all of our lives are different. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, yeah, we may all live in Las Vegas, um, and we may all be married to great wives and, and we may have, you know, great kids and a great church family. The best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we have different personalities, different yeah. strengths, different weaknesses. None of our spouses share the same strengths and weaknesses. You know, all of us, like if you're given a night off and you're, you're like, for some reason you're home alone, which is like never happens to me. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody there. But if, but if so, like, we might all be found even doing something slightly different with that quiet time. Oh, so you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does it, so it's, so you, you're saying that you guys and your wives are not on the same wavelength. Oh, see, because I've been trying to get on the same wavelength with my wife for like, the I, past I know. Well, years. and it's funny because that, that's another thing that, that we've talked about a lot lately. And, um, it's, uh, one of the things I've changed my mind on is, um, 
that marriage, godly marriage, are conflict-free. Oh. Nope, 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 nope. In fact, I actually think it's dangerous. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous because we set up a taboo standard that's not real, and now people are scared to talk about their conflicts and disagreements, and they almost get exasperated because of the conflict and disagreement rather than hearing something like, and I think this is the more godly response. Two believers living together are going to have to learn how to understand each other and navigate each other's strengths and weaknesses and the changes through life. And that's going to take work, but the payoff is worth it. Mm, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, the effect is exasperation. That's so true. It's uh, You come out of a com- conflict thinking, why am I not godly? And why, why am I not like other perfect couples out there when in reality there's no, there's no such thing <laughs> yeah and to be fair we're not saying you come out of the con like i'm not saying come out of that conflict and be like oh i'm sinless mm-hmm. no no there it probably is sin in that conflict Absolutely, but yeah. but part of that is learning how to navigate that mm-hmm. and what did i learn about my spouse and about me and about us from this conflict this kind of overlaps with leadership because one yes. of the things i try to help um, other guys, uh, other people, just generally speaking, in their leadership is you're not just learning Christ, but you're learning yourself better. Christ is like a mirror. So as you learn Christ, you realize things about yourself. And then understanding the other uh, the other person, the other spou- whether it's a spouse, a child, friend, whatever, like understanding them based, you know, based on who they actually are. So you're, you're not projecting any... Uh, conclusions, but you're actually asking and uh, investigating and um, coming to a, a true understanding of a person. That's very difficult. That That's takes time. Super hard. And, yeah, it takes time and work, and people don't realize that. Yeah, they don't. I think most of us don't realize how much we project on other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I saw you do this in this situation, and you must have been doing it for this reason. And you'll say to him, why did you think that? Well, because had I done that, mm-hmm. I would have done it because of this reason. It's like, yeah, but it is actually possible that that person had different motives and did something you wouldn't have done because they have different motives and a different way of thinking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep, 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 yeah, if I if I said write out an equation that e- that, e- that equals five, I mean, right there. What do I do? No, no, Ramil said two plus three. How dare you say one plus four, Gino? Mm-hmm. And how dare Chris go with zero plus five? But the reality is they're all true. Yeah. But, right, each of you approach this. Like, and that's fine. You approach it differently. The yeah. last one I changed my mind on, I know I only said one answer, but yes, for like, I said I had many and you primed, yeah. um, is uh, be way more gracious in your parenting than you want to be. Oh, oh, really? Okay. That was Chris. Chris's. I'll give the mic to Chris. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Chris. I'm still in mine. Because yeah, you have teenagers. Yeah. I do. Oh, have, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I have, yeah. 16 and 17. There you go. Yeah, that, that was mine, man. And maybe you shouldn't have let him prime because then he's just stealing all our answers. I, I actually knew what your answers were before you knew, so I just I decided to steal the thunder. Yeah, That's a joke. This is actually, that's actually pretty pretty good because lately i've been really wrestling with um just being more gracious with with parenting realizing michelle is actually (laughs) michelle this was a conversation just i don't know was it two days ago or yesterday 
he was like, hey, like, what if um, they did those things because it's just, you know, they're teenagers and it's fun for what? them. I was like, what? Like, no way. And it's like, is it really? And then she had to, like, check me. It's like, is it really a sinful behavior or is it just your preference? I was like, that's my line. <laughs> I was like, that's our line. That's what are you talking about? <laughs> don't, don't, don't turn our Lord, sermons against this, us. Yeah, Lord, you see what this woman you gave me did? <laughs> yeah. She was like, what if it, is it just your preference that, you know, you want? I was like, oh, right. And it's like, and so uh, to go with that, it's like, hey, maybe, um, this is after that conversation. It's like maybe I do have a lot of preferences in my home, and maybe I could relax on them a little bit because at the end of the day, you're right. It is like you're right. It's not sinful. You know, she's right. <laughs> Imagine that. She's right. Michelle's Michelle's right. Yep, that'll happen. <laughs> she's on time. She's yeah, right. She brushes her teeth. Yep. She's right. She's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good. Just uh, as one teen parent to another teen parent here, um, you know, one, I appreciate your answer because I think you have to wrestle with like with your own kids. Like, is this something he has to learn for himself? Mm-hmm. Is this something I I need to try to teach him? Mm-hmm. Right, because that's that's actually sometimes you just got to go. You know, some people have to learn that for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I, but even in thinking of my kids in their younger years and thinking back on my parenting, I've even asked the question like, I think I could have been more gracious when they were younger too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying let it be a free for all in the house. I'm not saying let your kids rule the house. But I, I do think like sometimes like, man, did I pick too many battles sometimes when they mm-hmm. were younger? Yep. That comes out actually when you're driving with them. Oh yeah, yeah. You put you put your teenager behind the wheel and you're the passenger, and the the struggle to not be a backseat driver. This um, is this is true. Yeah, and and then picking which one do you want to correct them on? Which, you know, because you want them to drive like you. Uh, I don't know. And they, <laughs> <laughs> except for you. <laughs> Yeah, but, it, you know, the struggle to not be a backseat driver and sometimes like, you know what, they probably just they'll need to learn how to navigate the roads, you know, on their own. You know, obviously, if they're going to go crash, you know, you try to stop that. But I think it was like what you said before, like you want to maybe uh, what is it? The irreversible damages, right? It's like kind of what you said, like. I can't remember a conversation we talked about a couple of years ago, but yeah, Ooh. something something like, you know, so, some of those. The the what? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the authority uh, card for protection. The authority yeah. card for protection. Yep. I think younger me, listening to older me, would have been like, I am being gracious by holding them to the rules. But I think now, older me understanding that God solves sin problems with grace Mm -hmm. now makes me realize, Hey, by being more gracious, it doesn't mean we're not trying to teach them to navigate. It doesn't mean we're not right. It's not like grace is not, I let you do whatever you want, Mm -hmm. but I could have like a lot more grace. Like, you know what? This is a four year old kid. 
And and I even specifically like how come it's okay that I can wake up and have a bad day, but it's not okay for my kid to wake up and have a bad day. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. I could have been more gracious in in realizing, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, my kid understands the general guidelines of our house and today he just screwed up. He just messed up. He just screwed up, had a problem and, and totally just, Hey, you know what? Wow. I did the same thing, you know? And yeah. Yep. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. Can't wait till you guys get your teenagers. I know it's going to be fun. Gino's going to be, gonna be, be a, especially when be, they start driving. He's going to have no hair because he's going to, it's a, he's kind of yeah. like five. When they start the driving and they don't time. turn on the the windshield wipers when you want them to turn can it you, on. Can you, like, can you imagine Jana and Judah as teenagers right now together in the house? <laughs> Gino, Gino, Jesse are like, Hey, we're going to stay the night at your house tonight. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I can't good. wait. Hey, uh, okay. So, um, remember we didn't ask you, um, you didn't answer that. Do you have, do you have one or, okay, let's, let's fire. Let's, we, we, gotta, we, we gotta get these. Could be a quick one. Um, I think for me, w- the biggest one is, uh, I've changed my mind in expecting that you can only lead if you're living your life perfectly. Mm. Oh, that's good. And I wrestled with that for a very long time and I'm so grateful to be here amongst you guys and amongst our church because that burden has lifted. Mm. Um, This idea, like I had a paradigm in my head that was like, okay, in order for anyone to respect or, you know, uh, hear out or heed what you have to say, you have to be living it out perfectly and that way that makes you superior to them and that way they can look at you and listen to what you have to say because you're superior to them and uh that has that paradigm has totally just gotten upended over the last several years um where i i came to realize how much of a a perfectionist i was in all the wrong ways and along with that um trusting people because when you realize that you're fallible and you fail and you're weak at things, you learn to lean on other people who are strong in the areas that you're weak. And you start to actually see that you can trust people. And there are people that you can lean on. And, you know, Second um, Corinthians 12, right? Like, I rejoice in my weaknesses. Um God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Another thing that I couldn't grasp for a very long time, you actually have to acknowledge your weaknesses and embrace them in a sense. Not that you're accepting, especially if they're sin-related, but it's more that you just stop denying that they're there and you know, rest in the grace of Christ, rest in the grace of your brethren, and realize that, hey, we can actually do this continuously, even though I fail at times. Um, that brought an unbelievable amount of stress, you know, in my life. This desire to have to seem like I'm doing everything right um, in order to somehow earn the place of any kind of a leadership role. Um, which I do think a lot of people struggle with, too. Which is probably why we, like, hide things, you know. Um, because we don't want to lose that credibility 
but it's not true. It's not true that you lose credibility just because you fail at things. And I learned that. And that's it's very it's very freeing. And it actually has spurred me on to pursue um, Christ more deeply. And I've some of the you know, for lack of a better word, breakthroughs that I've always longed for actually did happen when you started to acknowledge that you're weak, you know, which is really amazing. So, yeah, you, you put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. And it's interesting because that, that Gavin Ortland book on humility, he has a section there on your weaknesses and he points out the humble person, right? It's not like you're using your weaknesses as an excuse, but you realize your view that God killed the old self, put on the new self, made you in the likeness of him. And so in the way that you're wired and gifted, you are gifted in some things, which, and you're, because you're not gifted in everything, which means you're going to be weak and it's okay. It's okay to be like, Hey, that's that, you know what? Like I can't, I can't do that. Or I can't, you know, I know you need somebody to do that. But that's not me. And it's not a put down. It's not a lack of like, it's, it's one thing if you come to me and say, Hey, will you pray for me? No, nah, it's my weakness. But, but I'm talking like, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, could you, could you run this admin thing together? Could you, you guys would go nuts if somebody handed me a big admin detailed chart and said, can you organize this? You'd be like, Mm -hmm. we're dead. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. You know, but yeah. And it has endeared the church to me. Like it, like it has endeared all of you guys because I'm now celebrating your strengths you know, in tandem with my weakness or I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like without this person, you know, I'd be a wreck, you know, like I, like there's a lot of things that I really fall short on and, um, and being okay to admit that man, like, like, yeah, uh, it's such a burden to just have to carry. No, like I have no weaknesses. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story because it, it couples with what you're saying. You guys remember about five years ago at an elders meeting, we sat down and we all just said, Hey, it's okay. Like if you and your wife aren't getting along, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it between the four of us. Mm -hmm. That was helpful. Right. Because it's not like, you know, you say something like that and, and the horror story is, well, one of the elders must be having problems with their wife all the time. And it's like, no, that's not it. Like all of us have problems and and we all resolve them. And and that, that's the thing. Like you, again, you can imitate us because we're going to resolve our problems with our spouse. But it was helpful because it was this acknowledgement of, hey, going back to what you said earlier, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, our wives aren't perfect. Um, you know, we all have much to learn. And you know what? Better to be open and talk about it than to, like, hide it and mask it and pretend it's not there. And then one day we wake up and we discover that, like, one of our homes is just a wreck. Right. Because none of us could speak up about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the the other paradigm. That's what that creates. Yes, agree. Is this like isolation? I gotta hide my flaws. I gotta hide what's going on in my household and and all of that, because they won't respect me if they found out. And and that's that's so contrary to what we need. We need help, like a lot yep, of times, yep. because we all have blind spots, 
And if we are we don't feel comfortable and safe to tell each other, hey, we you know, like me and the missus, we fought about this the other day. We can't seem to get over this hump here over and over. We keep wrestling with it. And you have a brother there to say, hey, well, like, what about this? Maybe you're thinking about it this way or that way. It's like, and all of a sudden, you need you. All you needed was that like one line, and you were like, "Oh, thank you!" Like yep. it's gone. Like the whole problem is gone. And if you can't do that, you know, you're locked in a prison of your own making because you're too afraid to show, you know, any kind of weakness or failure. Then you're in trouble, right? Like I would be in trouble. Yeah, all of us would be in trouble. Right, all of yeah, us. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Um, this 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 the better way is to be open. And to be thankful for God's grace. And and I, I get it. Like the legalist mindset in us is afraid of what we just said, but not realizing that that, you know, we are also not saying we're going to excuse sin. But that's the thing about the four of us. N- none of us here are like, ah, oh, whatever, sin. Like right. you know what I mean? We're all like, hey, no, we we don't want you or me to be thinking sinfully we want us to believe and to follow and uh yeah so you know yeah but how you navigate it you got to use grace right yeah all right um well let's we're kind of at the hour uh so let me let me maybe um real quick uh one sentence what have you learned being an elder that you didn't anticipate when you when you started when you accepted this responsibility, what did you not anticipate that you learned? And and I'll even to piggyback off what Ramil said, I learned that you can trust other people, and that it's a joy to watch other people work in things that you are not good at, and that it's actually freeing. Because now rather than, like, you know, for Gino and I, like, this is our job. And now rather than being stressed and, you know, up in the middle of the night, like, sometimes, look, sometimes the congregation does keep, keep me up at night. But it's it's usually because you're lamenting with somebody or your heart is breaking for that somebody because you know, you know what some people are going through. But the joy of being able to watch other people work and realizing, you know, you can trust other people. It's been, and hey, they make mistakes. Wow, they do too. Okay, cool. We'll just keep, we'll keep learning. So, yeah, I think, um, uh, just I was, I guess, I'm surprised about the 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 way the Holy Spirit works. Mm, that's good. Um, it it kind of it kind of relates to what you're saying with how uh, when you're weak. In a certain area, other people are there, and the nature of the church and its giftedness—it's beautiful to see how you know. Sometimes you, you you bang your head on the wall in a, in a in a certain situation, tough situation. Yet you have other people also ministering alongside you. You don't realize the spirit is actually working through them as well. And if it weren't for everyone walking together, working together. Um, number one, it, it relieves the burden of of every like the entire church on our own shoulders. It's not that way. It's actually we're, you know, we're we're um, um, a lot of our job is the teaching aspect of it and, and the leadership. 
But once the congregation understands Christ and continues to grow and learn and the spirit comes alive in them and in, in ministry, it's it's just beautiful to see it working amongst. And I think we've seen that in home Bible studies, counseling situations, men's groups, women's groups. So I, I think, yeah, just surprised with not understanding uh, really how the, the spirit works. So I think the spirit was moving Luna to, to give you a little comforting licks there. I, a little, 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 I love you, Gino. Yeah, oh, your arm. This dog is like, oh, he's salty. Don't forget. Don't forget how much I love you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what dog. she was thinking. She's like, these people are great. Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I both have shepherd dogs. You guys, you guys got I mean, you got to get up on with the, the shepherd dogs. I got a bunny. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bunny's great. Just keeps its distance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just telling you, shepherd dogs are fun. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, Chris. Um, I've heard some people say that it's uh, leadership can be lonely, or leadership is lonely, or it's lonely at the top. Um, but I think nothing is probably farther from the truth when it comes to being an elder at Cornerstone. I think um, kind of like in line with what you're saying, like we have a, um, we really have a, a good like, like view of, of what Cornerstone is doing and what the people are doing and what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of people and, um, and how the church supports each other. Um, and even among, you know, this elder board and the friendship that we have, like, I think it's only lonely at the top when people make it and they don't realize the, um, they don't realize the support and, and the giftedness of the church and how that encourages us and how that, in, you know, really how we see Christ in them and how that just brings us so much joy and the joy of the ministry to see, you know, Christ working in the church and um, see people, you know, love him more and, and follow him and get changed um, through the preaching of the gospel. Um, I think there's, I, I don't think, I've never felt like, like, like we were alone. You know, um, I think since, you know, since I became an elder, I've, I've never felt that way. I felt, I've always felt um, the support of the church. I've always felt the, the love of the church. Um, and, and, I, and we see it uh, every day. Uh, the text messages, the constant encouragement, the, the prayers. Um, so that's what I learned. Yeah, the laughing. It's a lot of laughing in Cornerstone. It's good. Yeah. A little out of control sometimes. <laughs> but I love it. Um, the question was, what surprised you the most about ministry, right? Yeah, Something so like, like you know, you, you accepted the responsibility of being an elder. Kind of go along, you're like, whoa, I'm kind of shocked by this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have one that really, really knocked me off my boots through the years, and that is that, again, I had the assumption that the more theology you knew, the more mature you were as a believer, and that turned out 
in ma- in many many cases not to be true in in a lot of cases and it was a shocker to me it was a shock to the system actually and then you ran into people who were like couldn't articulate the most erudite things and yet the way they loved are is just amazing like they understand the gospel um and it was another upender you know of like my assumption was oh like oh you know you know your theology do you like um then you must be really mature like you we gotta get you like you know plugged in so you can start ministering and then you realize um that that's not where you gauge people um it is it is truly seen in their character it is truly seen in the way that they're living out the love of christ in the gospel um as demonstrated in the gospel like the love of christ as demonstrated in the gospel and you realize you don't really need like so much knowledge to do that like you actually just need the gospel <laughs> um and and it's just it's amazing to behold and it's also shocking to behold yeah that's amen there's more to say on that <laughs> but uh we are not yeah there's always more to say that's what we learned about ministry is sometimes you just got to say that's time guys indeed and we'll talk about it later so we'll do what we always do and let Anthony close us out and have a good evening. And uh, if you got questions, comments, cries of outrage, do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, cries of outrage go to Ramil. Encouragements go to Gino and I. So <laughs> this is the way it is. This is the way. Mm-hmm.